I don't know. <laughs> Listen to them, children of the night. What music they make. It is midnight in Cozy Corner and around the world. Pour yourself a cup of coffee, put your feet up and get ready to howl at the moon. It is time for the late night fight with Dan and Fade Radio. Public Radio. Hey, what have we got tonight? Tonight, we got the 2007 Quentin Tarantino film, Death Proof. Can you dig it? I can dig it. Can you dig it? I can dig it. I can dig it, too. I am the Coyote. We have a special guest host with us in the studio tonight. It is time for the Late Night Fright with Dan and Faith right here on Public Radio. Welcome to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me, as always, is my very stuntman co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Faith, we have another stuntman in the studio with us today, don't we? We do. Where you at? Oh, huh. there <laughs> hey. he is. There he is. Hello. We got my very good friend, Cade. He is in from Parts Unknown. Cade's a little death-proof himself. That's right. That's right. I feel like, uh, Kate, I feel like it's a James Brown record with uh, Maceo. Kate, get on in here and tell the people, tell the people what you're at. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, you know, we're we going to take it to the bridge. We're going we gonna to flip it and flop it, bip it and bop it. We're going to take it down the D. That's right. That's no, right. Super psyched to be here. I can't believe you guys, uh, I can't believe you guys got me. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty important and busy, so you're a, you're a huge get for the show. This is a big deal for you guys. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is this is a huge deal, and you know you're actually the first guest on the show. Oh, well, that can't be true. That's very true. Okay, and, uh, well, Kate, you have been involved in the show before. You've done a few funny voices for us. That's true. I, I have. I've uh, I've I've laid down some voice for you guys. You have. How about something more important? Our our logo. Yes, Kate is responsible for the logo. So, oh yeah, that's right. I, I guess I did draw that. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit of the history here. We've known each other twelve or thirteen years now. Uh, we met playing music. Kate is a musician and a songwriter, and a very good songwriter and a very good musician, and uh, one of my favorite people in the entire world. But music is not your only passion and uh, not your only artistic endeavor, is it? No, I am. Um... I also, um, and you can find these on Etsy, I make um, little stick figurines out of bottle caps. And, um, yeah, we sell them for a good cause. Um, Decayed Retirement Fund? Yeah. Um, no, not at all. No, uh, I guess I do, I do drawings. Um, no, I make cartoons and do some graphic design here and there. And, um, yeah, it's fun stuff. And you have a website. I do have a website. Well, you can check us out. You can check, and and I think uh, Dan might make 
some vocal appearances as well in some of these cartoons. She vocal. She vocal but uh, you can go to runningmatesstudios.com or uh, you can check us out on Instagram on, uh, I think it's just Running Mates on it, or maybe it's Running Mates Studios. <laughs> anyway, just type in, search Running Mates and, and look for it. cartoons. You'll all find right? it. And uh, Kate is also a very fine screenwriter. He is very good. And, uh, We've collaborated on several things. Uh, some of those things you can see on the Running Mates site. And sure. hopefully you'll be hearing more from the screenwriting side. Yeah, hopefully. Us. We've got some we've got some shows that Dan and I have uh, have been writing, toiling away on, and and hopefully uh, the gatekeepers that be over in Hollywood will uh will give us a shot. We'll read our little We'll read our little stories that we... The the dream is just to get Nicolas Cage in one of them. <laughs> That's right. We, if anybody knows of the bus stop that you leave your screenplay at so he'll find it and turn it into a Redbox movie, That's, there are, send it our way. There is a story. Uh, a friend of mine uh, is very uh, infatuated with Nicolas Cage, just the idea of Nicolas Cage, not Nicolas Cage himself, just the idea of Cage, the movie star, and... Uh, he was filming here in town, and she said, how do we get in touch with Nicolas Cage? And I said, well, you write a, a shitty script, and you leave it at the bus stop, and he'll find it. <laughs> and want and want to do it. So speaking of screenwriters, Cade, you have some favorite screenwriters, don't you? Yes, you, I do. You got a lot of people you admire, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, are we being serious here? We're being serious oh, okay. Here. I didn't know if we were doing a bit or not. Look at... I didn't get the memo. Um, no, I mean, obviously, the man we're here to talk about today, there QT, it is. Mr. Quentin Tarantino himself. Um, and Faith, what movie are we talking about today? Death Proof. Death Proof, 2007's Death Proof. Yes. So this was part of the double feature known as Grindhouse that was a collaboration between the QT himself and Mr. Robert Rodriguez. This was a double feature in 2007 that was released to theaters. Faith, I know the answer to this. You didn't see that in theaters, did you? <laughs> I did not. No, I did not. <laughs> Kay, did you see Grindhouse in I, theaters? I believe I did, and I believe um, I went with a friend, um, and I believe that friend was you. I think I think you're right, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, very good. So, we're gonna, we have some thoughts on QT and on... Death proof and uh, life and lies and love and everything in between. And I want to go ahead and do it here on the show. Uh, Faith, yes. you know, Kate's going to be a daddy. I know that. So, congrats to our good yes, buddy, Kate. Thank you. Thank you very much. Got, it was a lot of work. We got. <laughs> yeah. How did that happen exactly? <laughs> I don't know. I ask my wife that every day. <laughs> Who and, did this to you? And are we sure it's hers? Um, I don't know. We're going to wait and see when it comes out of her. <laughs> so I got I to gotta tell a funny story. You two know this story already, but the listeners out there may or may not find it funny. I was playing out in the ass end of nowhere yesterday. Uh, Natchez, Mississippi. Uh, do you guys like the Siri map app? No. <laughs> has, has Siri we ever... We are a Waze family, Dan. Okay. Has Siri ever taken you to the wrong spot? Yes. All the time. Yes. Siri took me five miles out of the way yesterday. And I'm bringing this up because it is uh, part of the horror thing here. So I'm on the Natchez Trace in Mississippi, out in the middle of nowhere. On one side of me is this huge drop-off in woods, <laughs> like where Jason Voorhees lives. The other side of me is a bluff. 
and I'm going down the road, I'm going down the road. You have one mile until your destination. Turn now. You know, they give you that little like 200 feet marker, you know. And there's this like little horseshoe driveway and it says, you know, historic lookout point. And it was looking out onto nothing. Faith, you want to know what it was looking out on? What? Trees. It was looking on trees and there's a blue Taurus that's parked there. And I'm pretty sure they didn't want me there because they were engaging in some illegal activities or just, you know, things that I didn't want to be a part of. And then I was pretty sure that they were, uh, you know, if they weren't doing something that I didn't want to be a part of, they were going to ask me to participate or, or, you know, have to get rid of me because I saw them doing things they shouldn't Mm -hmm. be doing, but I was able to regroup and, uh, get where I was going, but, uh, be careful of Siri. She's a, She's an evil woman. She's a fickle mistress. She is. She is a very fickle mistress. Well, we don't really have uh, any any news today. We have a special guest. That's that's the big news. But, uh, <laughs> I'm the news. You are the news. Breaking news. <laughs> There's a Huey Lewis and the news. New Huey Lewis track dropped. That's new nice. Huey track dropped, yes, yes uh, while, while we're young. But uh, I do want to take the opportunity. Faith knows this already, but Cade, maybe, maybe you know... Uh, We've been doing the show since February. You know, this mm-hmm. is 10 months. 10 months of the show. And you know who has not been on the show yet? Do you know? I think I do. Yeah. Should I should I call yeah. him out? Yes. Should call I him dress out. him down? Call him out, ma'am. Sir, in your fedora and striped sweater, Mr. Robert England, how dare you? First of all, you're brilliant and you make us fall in love with you. And then you're not on the show. I mean, come on. You know, we've been we we have a a, a little like sweet little pot for him. You know, we have a five crisp five dollar bill, mm-hmm. uh, thirty two ounce Milwaukee, old Milwaukee tall boy, uh, anything he wants off the dollar menu at Taco Bell. Uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna sweeten this pot a little further. And Robert, if you come on the show, you get to spend an evening with Cade. That's right, Robert. If you come on the show. And, and this works retroactively, too. You can name my daughter. How about that? There you go. I will let you name my firstborn. There you go. There. Faith, I don't think it gets any better than that. I don't think it does. And this, and this just goes for, like, if you, if you come on the show a year from now, I mean. We'll change her name. We'll change her name. She's, she'll learn. <laughs> Well, we got Cade on the show way before we got Robert England. We have a good one tonight. We have 2007's Quentin Tarantino film, Death Proof. I am here. Faith is here. Cade is here. Hello. We'll see you on the other side. Robert England. England. Don't keep us. Come on our show, come on our show, come on our show, prime time. This is um, Harrison Ford, the big HF host of the Straight Dope. Right here on whatever radio station this is, I really couldn't care less. The Straight Dope is the number one rated show on the radio. Why? People want the Straight Dope. I'm on the Straight Dope. 
Join me this week for a review of an exciting new blend. It promises to be especially exciting. It's called Annie Pots. It's short, sassy. It's got spunk, and it's a real design woman. It's designed to get you high. I'm also going to be talking about quilts. Quilts are great. Quilts can work as an accent piece. They're wonderful to cozy up under. Watch your favorite Hallmark movie or TV show or infomercial, whatever. Join me, Harrison Ford, the BHF, for the straight dope on whatever the hell this is. I really don't care. This is Quentin Tarantino, okay? You probably know me from my movies, which are pretty jamming, or from my soundtracks, also jamming. Would you like to know what I think is jamming, okay? Women's feet. I put them in all my movies. Some people have even accused me of having a foot fetish. Can you believe that? I think women's feet jam, and I'm going to be talking about them on the radio if you can believe that. Join me for Quentin's Petty Palace. I'm going to be talking about all of my favorite feet. Uma Thurman, Pam Greer, Margot Robbie. They're all going to be here on Quentin's Petty Palace, okay? It's going to be totally jamming. It's going to be fun. Come on down. Right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio, okay? Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we have a very special guest with us. Hello, I am Cade. Cade is with us. Uh, We were just having a discussion on the break about Captain James T. Kirk. Yes, that's right. Um, And and he didn't boldly go, did he, Cade? No, he baldly went. He baldly went because... That man was wearing a toupee, and he looked like a badass Mm -hmm. doing it. I no longer fear the loss of my hair because I know that it's not required to uh, captain the Starship Enterprise. Um, and I mean, yeah, if you want to be a, a jerk and an asshole, you can do it without a toupee like Jean-Luc Picard, but <laughs> nobody wants to see that. And that's a lovely segue, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> here we go. Well, we are here to talk about the 2007 Quentin Tarantino film Death Proof. This was, of course, part of the double feature that was the Grindhouse film directed by Robert Rodriguez and QT. But when they released them on video, they released them separately. Faith, this was a first-time watch for you. What do you think of Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof? I think this movie is so cool. That was the word that kept popping into my head. It's a cool movie. Do you all agree? I completely agree. Cade, same question. Absolutely. You are not going to find another movie like this. I know. <laughs> like you're not going to find you're not going to find another Quentin movie quite like this and you're not going to find another horror movie like this. Except for maybe wasn't there a movie about a, a tire that kills people? Yeah. I think it's called Rubber. Rubber. I never yeah. saw it, but yeah, my my maybe future it's- uh my future brother-in-law Patrick uh, has told us he's like man y'all need to do rubber and it's <laughs> on the list we're gonna get to it maybe after the new year but uh right on but Kate, you hit the nail on the head this is a horror movie 
Uh, it's sort of a horror movie. It's sort of a slasher movie. Sort of a lot of different things. We talked about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on this show. Faith and I both really love that show. We both really love Quentin. What are your thoughts just in general on Quentin Tarantino as a filmmaker and as a guy? Well, I don't know him, but <laughs> the doy. Um, no, I love him. I love his movies. Uh, I think he's got such a unique voice, and, and the way he writes dialogue, of course, is probably one of the most distinctive things about him. Um, you, you know, he, he just writes these fantastic monologues or these fantastic conversations um, for, for his characters to just sink their teeth into and um, really, and, and that's one of my favorite things about his movies is he really gives his actors uh, a chance to perform. You know, I, I don't know if I want to say he really gives his actors a chance to chew the scenery, but um, but no. Whenever if uh, if you're showing up in a Quentin Tarantino movie, you're you're going to get the chance to really let it all hang out and, and have a good time. And um, you know, he, and the casts he chooses are impeccable. Right. Right. It, it always sounds like a Quentin Tarantino right. movie. You can always mm-hmm. pick out those distinctive Quentin things. And in Death Proof, there's there's quite a few of them. Now, Death Proof, for some reason, is usually ranked towards the bottom of the of the list of movies, like when they say like the best Quentin Tarantino sure. movies. Where do you have it on on your list? Uh, probably closer towards the bottom. And, um, you know, Quentin himself has said that this is probably his worst movie, but if this is his worst movie, then he's totally (laughs) fine with it. And I, and I agree. Like, I don't think it's a bad movie at all. I loved it. I love watching it, but, um, it's, it's just not my favorite, you know, and I, gosh, man, it's hard. It's like saying, what's your favorite Beatles album? Right. You know, I mean, (laughs) right. Uh, you know. Even even Beatles for sale yeah. has its moments. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So, Faith, as we said, this was a first-time watch for you, but we have talked extensively on this show about slasher films, and we've talked about the tropes of the slasher film. When you were watching this, and I know I did possibly clue you in, I said this is a horror movie. It's kind of a slasher movie. Were you picking up on those things? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like the whole vibe, the way it was filmed, kind of already gives you that whole throwback slasher movie vibe and especially with the lighting and things like that and then the way that he uses his car as the weapon i think is so cool and just so unique you know could you could you (laughs) imagine you know uh one of the great things about quentin and we kind of sort of touched on this with once upon a time about hollywood and kate i know you're gonna have things to say about this quentin takes genres and throws them on their heads, you know. Absolutely. Uh, Pulp Fiction being the best example of that, where he takes the uh, the gangster picture, mm-hmm. and it's those little moments that you're getting in between. Uh, what was what was the phrase he used? There's that great uh, edit of Quentin Tarantino, the poetry between the lines, mm-hmm. where he talks about a critic said. And she said that it's like uh, these these two European gentlemen found this American crime novel, right? And they were celebrating the poetry in between the moments. And that's my aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, do you agree that his aesthetic is the poetry between the lines? Yeah, I, I think And he's... forgive my Quentin Tarantino impression. <laughs> no, it's really great. Um, no. Okay. <laughs> 
I think we're about to pull out dueling Tarantinos. Oh, that should be. We should have. A, I should vote who's best. <laughs> competition. Save time. that for the end. No, but I, I, abs- I agree. You know, he is able to take. He is able to take, like, for instance, uh, Inglorious Bastards, and take a war movie, but give you not just a different spin on it, but show you scenes in a war movie that you wouldn't necessarily see in any other war movie. Uh, Same thing like with Pulp Fiction. You're getting a gangster picture, but you're seeing moments with these characters that you probably wouldn't see in your typical gangster uh, picture. And, um, you know, and I I definitely feel like this is no exception. He, and and to be fair, you know, as I'm sure you guys have observed on the show, uh, the slasher picture has very, very strict rules and very strict structure to it. Very, very much so. And they have, in fact, I think, been uh, codified. Codified. Well, just watch Scream, you know. There you go. And then Scream 2. But, uh, and so, that's me. And, and, it works really well what he does in all of his movies. In this one, it might actually work a little bit against him because um, he doesn't necessarily follow those rules to a T. And so, um, which is why some people have said that it's not really a great slasher movie. And I'll, I'll go with them on that, but it's a great Tarantino movie. And um, yeah, yeah, he he's really... Um, He's really great at, at taking some of these things and recontextualizing them. Um, but um, he always delivers the goods. You know, you yeah. you you get the uh, you get the kill scenes. And oh, boy, in this one, do you uh, you you not only you get, get the, the same kill scene yeah, four, four times. times and it's and it's uh, horrifying and, and fantastic every time. And you know, what's amazing, too, is how awful that is and i watched it this morning in prep for the show and how exhilarating it is at the same time mm-hmm. and as awful as it is it's kind of fun yeah is, oh, yeah. is that is that the word faith this as i as i said first time watch for you uh-huh. let's talk about that kill scene because i think it's absolutely amazing and what i love about that is the way that he sets up the uh, the edit where you see all four of them mm-hmm. die with the lights with uh, Kurt Russell. And we're going to get to him in a minute. Kurt Russell will turn on the lights and then you see each right. death individually. What did you think of that? I was watching it. And I'm like, wow, because I like the way I think it's one of my favorite death scenes kind of, because I like the way you get those different angles. It's really cool. It's really different. You don't see it very often kind of done like that. Yeah. And it's brutal. <laughs> It, it was and brutal, I like it. <laughs> and and as brutal as it is, he doesn't hang on it. Right, you know, it's like it might even yeah. be more brutal because it's so yeah. quick. Yeah, it's very it's very quick, and it, um and the this you know you see the first one, and then the second one happens, and I know for me like when the second one happens, the first time I was like, wait, what am I seeing now? And then you realize like, oh, he's showing you all four of them. And yeah, it just kind of keeps coming at you. You know, it's it's like the death scene that never ends. You and the, know, and the and the funny thing is, in in Quentin movies, so much, some of the violence is cartoonish and over the top, and you laugh at it. You know, e- either because it's supposed to be funny or it's some kind of release. Uh-huh. Like I didn't laugh at the death scene in in Death Proof. You know, it was like so brutal. And could you imagine him on the side? You know, you know, like. Right, 
again, <laughs> again. <laughs> One more time. Yeah, and you know, that's this one thing I know I haven't actually thought about for such a you know, a grindhouse picture and um maybe one of the things we should bring up is you know, this coming off as the grindhouse double feature, one of the things that they were trying to do with these movies, you know, they were throw back to these uh cheap cheap are more efficiently made as you guys are you fans go. of saying on the show. There you go. Um, that Roger Corman, Roger style Corman of style of, of film. filmmaking. Yes. Um, you know, and, and they really tried to make this look uh, like one of those old productions from like the seventies. And uh, I mean, they even took the film out back and like threw dirt on it, you know, to, to make it look grainy and gritty. Um, Could you imagine that? Like and again, I'm I'm kind of sure. harping on him for a second. Like him out there with the film, <laughs> uh-huh. you know. This is my masterpiece. Make it dirty, <laughs> more mud. <laughs> um, Step on it. And so, like knowing what, and I mean, I'm sure these guys had a budget, uh, being who they are. But you know, it, it's really kind of amazing. Um, and, and it's one thing I haven't looked into. But yeah, that kill scene. Like, how did they? Do that, you know, with the car in the air and the tire taking the girl's face off, and all. I mean, like, how do you do that on a budget? I don't know. Right. I guess right. in my head, she really did die. You know, it's just a bad day on set for those actors. Uh, method actor like Daniel Day Lewis. Exactly. That's a, that's she exactly, ain't cobbling shoes. That's exactly what it is. Uh, so we were talking about the slasher movie, and this is indeed, and he said it, that it is inspired by the classic slasher films of the late 70s and early 80s. Kate, uh, you're a fan of movies. I know that you have respect for horror movies, not your favorite genre in the world, but that is correct. But when it's well done, you're you're a fan of it. Uh What's your what's your take on the slasher genre? I don't know if I really have a have a take. I've never really thought about it that much. They just like like you said, when it's done well, um, when it's done well, and when it's something that really keeps you on the edge of your seat, um, you know, suspense and the tension and all that is, is uh, it, it, to me is the key to those movies. And um, and you know some. Because there's so, it's such a strict, you know, uh, formula. Um, I find that a lot of people fall, fall back on that formula, and these things can get kind right. of predictable. Right. But you know, the originals, of course, like the Halloween yes. movies, yes. and um, and even Scream, who who plays with the genre and plays with the tropes, you know, was uh, those those movies were some of my favorites growing up. One of, one of the things I like about Death Proof, uh, because he does like to play with genres so much and he's so good at it, mm-hmm. is that he doesn't go the Scream route right. of doing, I don't want to call Scream a parody or a farce, well, but he doesn't a deconst- meta. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. do any deconstructing of, of it, you know, and, and he doesn't ever, he doesn't ever wink, you know, kind of yeah. at, the, at, at what's going on. Um, yeah. You know, no, no, it's very much, you know, Stuntman Mike, played by Kurt Russell. There he is. Is a, uh, you know, he's a he's a scary dude. And, you know, um, my maybe my favorite scene in the movie is when they're out on the porch, um, you know, at the at the bar. And he's uh, and he's talking to. Oh, gosh, what is the what is the girl's name? Not Butterfly. Jo- Butterfly. That's right. He's played talking by Vanessa. That's right. And um and he's talking to her and um 
and he and he says the poem. There's a thing in the movie where uh, Jungle Julia, who is her friend, she is a uh, a disc jockey, if I'm not mistaken, yes. and um, and she put it out on the radio that if anybody sees her and her friends out that night, um, they can go up to Butterfly and recite the poem. Um, what, what is the poem, Dan? Uh, the woods are lovely, dark, dark and, and deep, deep, and I have miles to go before I sleep and promises to keep. That's right. Yeah. And if you go up Wait, to Butterfly... did you just recite it to him, so do you have to give him a lap dance? That's I right. didn't buy him a drink. <laughs> yeah, you oh. have to buy we're, we're, dose tequilas. And uh, Kate, Kate, I think, busted the lap dance off earlier. <laughs> That's so, right. So we're, we're good. It's a shame this isn't only an audio format. There you go. <laughs> You guys really need to invest next year. In some next year, we're going to YouTube this thing. But uh, no, that scene, that scene, yeah, it's yeah. And um, the thing that gets me is because you know I'm a Kurt Russell fan. If you're not, what is wrong with you? But uh, yeah, I, I, what gets me about that scene is one how charming he is and how quickly he turns to being very creepy. And um, you're hitting the nail on the head with this guy because one of the things. Uh, you know, the slasher films always have the villain, the slasher. Right. Okay. The, s- the classic slashers, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, you know, those are, those are the big ones. There's always some kind of event. Uh, and then you look and you have the victims who are, you know, over-sexualized teenagers, usually girls. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some kind of precipitating event or something in his backstory that comes back, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he always has some kind of signature weapon. Okay. Right. Now, the interesting thing here with him is that Quentin makes him both a predator and a guy, like a regular right. type dude. Yeah, sort who of. likes to eat nachos and just hang out. Exactly. <laughs> right. You've got the great, uh, you know, the great time you spend with him uh, talking to Rose McGowan uh, in the bar, like you mm-hmm. said, eating nachos and not drinking because he does not drink. Um, and yeah, got to establish that alibi. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, uh, you know, and, and you think, oh yeah, this guy might not. And, and it's, it's beautifully contrasted by the other two yokels that the, uh, that the girls are hanging out with at the bar. Um, one of whom is played by Eli Roth. A uh, little cameo there. Don't you mean the Bear Jew the from bear. Inglorious Bastards? The Bear Jew. And, um. <laughs> Teddy ball, ball game. <laughs> Um, and uh, I don't know who the other guy is. I didn't do my research um, on that. Uh, Nikki Cat is one of the guys, and I believe Omar from Inglorious Bastards is one of the guys okay. too. But uh, but Eli Roth is the one that you're that you're really kind of paying right. attention to. And you know, and I mean, you see these two these two scummy kind of frat guys, you know, talking about we're gonna get these girls drunk and get them to invite us up to the lake and get it on with them, and you know. <laughs> You're bringing up an interesting point because, Cade, uh, we had a conversation about this recently. We were talking, doing prep yeah. for this. I want to I ask Faith this. Faith, you have two sets of girls in this movie. Mm-hmm. You have um, Jungle Julia, uh, Shanna. You have uh, Lena Frank. By the way, this show is dedicated to the memory of uh, Lena Frank. She showed up with the weed, um, mm-hmm. which means she ain't showing up here with the weed. So, yeah. uh, Lena Frank, and then you have uh, Butterfly. They're the first uh, group of victims. Um, 
Faith, what did you think of this group of girls? Because we, we've we talked about them, and I want to have that conversation or give give the, the talking points of a conversation Kate and I had about them. But what did you think of that first group of girls? Uh, they got on my nerves, and I didn't like how – I understand Butterfly was kind of, you know, she noticed the guy, but they were like just so non-observant and just – Oh, they got they really got on my nerves. What did, what did you okay, let me let me be a little more specific with this. Um and I'm I'm really genuinely curious. I didn't ask you this earlier. What did you think of their conversations in the car? The when they're when they're going down the road, they're talking about guys. What else are they they're talking, talking about, about guys, getting weed, they're get, talking about getting yeah. laid, they're talking yeah. about um what did you think of that conversation that they were having? They were stupid. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like him. Cade Cade said this the other day, and I want to throw this out. Cade said, I just feel like it's kind of gross. (laughs) Yeah, they, I I mean, look, no, no judgment here. And I, and I understand maybe there is a little bit of a double standard if it were, but if it were guys talking that way, I think, I don't know if I'd say they were gross, but I think they were numb nuts. Meatheads. Yeah. Numb nuts was what was in my head. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of funny though. Now, and the reason I'm bringing this Mm -hmm. up of the conversation being gross because, in a lot of ways, you're given dialogue that's usually attributed to men to these girls, but also like in these slasher films, you have these virginal characters. You know, Nancy Thompson in A Nightmare on Elm Street comes to mind. Here you have this. It's is it like he's going out of his way to establish these women as non-virginal and not good people yeah absolutely and there's another there the other thing i kind of got from it was you know they're riding around and they're talking about you know the all the guys they're gonna get with and and talking about chasing boys and everything and you know i and knowing what the movie's about and having seen it before i really i started to kind of get the get the vibe that it was like, you know, these girls are running around chasing guys and they, and they think they're too, too hot to handle. You know, they think they're the badasses. you know, it's like, no, you know, no guy's going to get one over on us. We're strong women. We can do, I've got nothing against strong women. I love strong women. No, I know exactly. My wife beats me in arm wrestling all the time, but girl power, but, but no, but, but the idea that it's just like, they're the predators out there stalking these guys, you know, and then they come across a real predator, you know, and and like I said, you know, and you see him at the bar with with Eli Rod and these kind of scuzzy frat guys who who are not good guys, you know, and are talk and are talking about, you know, we're going to give them more shots and get them drunk. Yeah. And, yeah. And all this stuff. And, and, you know, and to be fair, Jungle Julia and Butterfly and even Sh- even Shanna with her white girl air drumming. <laughs> that I like that's my favorite part of the kill scene is her air drumming in the back seat. And that of that the car. look on her face, yeah. that, that like little smile, like, yeah. And butterflies just like, what? Yeah, yeah. But um but you know, they you know, it's like and, and and to to give them credit where credit is due, yeah, I, I do think that Jungle Julia and her girl squad probably could handle Eli Roth and, and his frat buddies. But um but um like I said, then they meet then they meet a real predator. They meet somebody who they really should be scared of. And as Faith pointed out, you know, they're too stupid to know that this is a guy that you should be watching out for. And I love what he's doing when we meet him. What is he doing? Do you guys remember the first time you see him? What is he doing? 
believe he is watching them. When you see him in, like, actually see him, like, in close-up, like, when you're, when you actually put the face to it, you know, he's eating. He is eating in that bar, and he's stuffing his mouth and licking those fingers like it's, like, cleaning. It's pretty gross. Like, like cleaning his claws, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) Um, Faith, what do you think of Stuntman Mike as the slasher? You know, because we, you know, we talk about we got Freddie, we got Jason, you know, we got Michael Myers. I know you love Michael Myers. Here we got this guy, you know, wearing an icy hot, uh, you know, driving jacket. You know, the stunt man got the scar on him. You know, the weapon of choice is a car. What do you think about him as the slasher? Uh, I like him. Again, I don't know if I would call him a slasher necessarily more than just like. A deranged serial killer or something. <laughs> the, the killer, <laughs> you know? yeah. You know, because yeah. like you said, with the whole... One of you said it he's, about backstory and He's not exactly... Like yeah, he doesn't live up to the trope so much. Right. right. It, it's, so, it, but yeah, he's, he's, he's creepy and he's awful and... And, yeah, and I mean, what do you think about his weapon of choice? I like his weapon. It's different. Isn't that different? <laughs> it's yeah. so different. Yeah, you've you never know, seen this before. No, 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 not at all. Okay, here's an idea. Knives have been done. The murder glove has been done. We need a car. <laughs> We're going to have a car. And let's talk about the guy that's driving that car, because this is one of the most certifiable badasses of all time. Uh, Faith, we're going to go first to you. Kurt Russell, stuntman Mike. What do you think of Kurt's performance here? Oh, he's amazing. I always like Kurt and like everything he's in. I'm a huge fan. And I think he's just, he brings in that, like you said earlier, he's normal, but he's also, as soon as he turns to creep, he turns it on and he's so good at it. And there's a there's a thing that he he has where Kurt Russell is not a uh, Kurt Russell's not a ham. He's not mm-hmm. he's not a ham of an actor and he's not a scene stealer of an actor. But Kurt Russell and like I said, it's not that when he's in the scene you have to watch Kurt Russell, but it's something in this movie where it's like you want to mm-hmm. see Kurt Russell right. and, and spend time with him, you know. And I think it's that juxtaposition like you were talking about yeah. Kate, of the uh, you got these girls, and here's this guy, and he's there's something charming about him. Well, and I think part of that, too, is um, the baggage, for lack of a better term, that he brings to the role. I mean, you're sitting there, you're, you're watching Jack Burton, you know, you're watching, you're watching Mr. Cool, you know, you're watching, I, I mean... I'm, Snake You're Pliskin. watching Snake Pliskin, <laughs> you know. I, I mean... You know, I love him in in all all of the Carpenter movies and everything. And in the, what was he in the Shaggy Dog? Um, <laughs> something like that. Something. He was in the, a Dreamer. Yeah, yeah. that's the famous thing Quentin said about mm-hmm. him. You know, uh, you know, Quentin was looking. You know, the cast this guy. I think Stallone was one of the first choices for it. I think and that might have been too scary. Might have been a little. Hey, you want to get in the car? Yeah. <laughs> no. No, I don't. Hey, ladies, that was fun. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think he was the right guy for this. You know, he brings that certain thing that he's got that macho machismo right. know, he has with mm-hmm. him. But Quentin said, you know, I was looking through the paper and Dreamer, the movie Dreamer was playing. And he was like, you know, Kurt's great in Dreamer and in Miracle and all these other movies. But he was a badass. He needs to be a badass. Yeah, yeah. He's a badass. Tango and Cash. You Tango know, probably and Probably the first movie, speaking of Stallone, probably the first movie I ever saw him in, Tango and Cash. And so, yeah, you know, big fan of the guy. I love him as the hero. And, um, you know, pro- I mean, probably, uh, probably up there with Harrison Ford as like one of those guys you wanted to get a leather jacket and start pretending to be when yeah. you were growing up. And um, so to see him take that turn as the killer and 
and to be so creepy i mean whenever he, uh, him and rose mcgowan are, are pulling out of the parking lot mm-hmm. you're going right or left and she says uh what did she say? Right, I'm going right, going right, yeah. going right. And then, well, that's a shame. Too bad. <laughs> yeah, because now you're gonna have to start getting scared now, you know. And and I mean, yeah, man, it gives you the chills. And um, yeah, I want to say two things about him. Uh, number one, Kurt Russell does one of the greatest John Wayne impressions I've ever heard in my life. Well, you're all right in my book. You actually keep a book. <laughs> Yeah, he, he, uh, don't file me under chicken shit, please. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the uh, the second thing I want to say about Kurt Russell is, and this goes for many of his movies, but it does it does apply here. This man has one of the most glorious mullets in movie history. <laughs> I mean, it's not fair, you know. We're, we were talking about uh, we were talking about Kirk. We were talking about Shatner earlier, and I mean, yeah, it is a love hate relationship because sometimes I look at that thick carpet headed jerk and just want to punch him right in that beautifully quaffed mullet you know don't get in a car with him just just don't get in a car with look, him. look baby if kurt russell offers to give me a ride <laughs> you won't have to hold me back well that'd be all right in my book yeah partner we are talking about quentin tarantino's 2007 movie death proof i am dan i am faith and I am Cade. Cade is our special co-host with us today. We're going to take a short break, and when we get back, we're going to talk about that second group of girls, because I think we got some things to say about them, and we're going to talk about some of our favorite moments from this movie, and possibly dueling Quintons. Yes. You never know. <laughs> we'll see you on the other side. Host of Laser Beams. Pew, pew. That's Laser with a Z. And Beams with a Z. With your update from Laser Lanes. Tonight's high score in Laser Tag was 6 to 69. He had 444,000 points and 224 CK. That's confirmed kills. Kills with a Z. The toilets were backed up at laser lanes, plop, plop, so we all had to use porta potties that had been set up outside. While in line, Rammer Jammer 69 regaled us with an outline for his new erotic fan fiction that marries Twilight with Star Trek. No, 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 no. I am very glad that the party ended early. Join me, Scott Rice, host of Laser Beams, Pew Pew, Laser with a Z, and Beams with a Z, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. This is Bert Biederman, Cozy Corner's resident old bastard and host of Bustin' Balls with Bert, the most politically incorrect show on the radio. Join me this week when I talk about herbal teas. What the hell is up with herbal teas? Goddamn hippies ruining everything. I'm gonna bust herbal teas balls right here on the radio. Join me for busting balls with Bert right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Turn down that goddamn music.
Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner and Public Radio. I am Dan. I am Faith. And I am Methuselah Honeysuckle. <laughs> Methuselah Honeysuckle joining us from Parts Unknown. <laughs> By the way, Methuselah Honeysuckle, uh, have you been tuning in to the straight dope with Harrison Ford? Yeah, I'm wondering, uh, I, I mean, first of all, a little jelly because it sounds like he's getting the best dope on the straight dope. <laughs> And uh, yeah, man, if he if he ever needs a guest star, I mean, just, there you go. just drop me a line. I'll be there. I think we can make that happen. Bright eyed uh, and bushy tailed. Yeah, I used to be that at one time, too. <laughs> or bleary eyed and with the munchies. And have you ever played laser tag, Cade? <sighs> yes, I'm a laser tag dominator. There, you, there it is. <laughs> There it is. He likes the nachos too, <laughs> like like Stuntman Mike. <laughs> hey, by the way, what is this guy's name? Stuntman Mike. Why do they call him Stuntman Mike? Because he's a stuntman. <laughs> it's really uh, clever writing there, Tarantino. <laughs> really clever writing. And that guy's we're, overrated. Uh, <laughs> seriously, uh, we were talking about Death Proof. We uh, we got up to the point where Stuntman Mike uh, kills the first group of girls. It's pretty gruesome and awful, and I think we all really enjoyed it. We are now in the second half of the movie, which kind of mirrors the first half of the movie. We have a new group of girls, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Tracy Toms, Rosario Dawson, and who's the other one? Zoe Bell, the one and only Zoe Bell. That's right. Who was uh, Uma Thurman's stunt double That's in correct. the Kill Bill movies. Faith, uh, what did you think of Zoe Bell in the movie? Because for me, she's kind of the star of the second half in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah, I think so. I like her a lot. I think uh, her and is it Tracy? Yes. Yeah, they like steal the movie Absolutely. for me. I mean, they could have been in the whole thing, and it would have been. So, I mean, not that the first half was terrible, but they just bring it to a different dimension of it. It's so good. Um, Kate and I are both fond of this phrase. Uh, we think uh, Zoe Bell is precious. Yes, precious. Mm-hmm. That's an all like an all encompassing phrase, right? Mm-hmm. She's precious. <laughs> I would also like to throw out that Zoe Bell certified badass. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. is a cutie patootie. <laughs> Absolutely, like. I, I mean, for someone who can do what she does, and I cannot do what she does, um, but she she seems like a like a lovely person, like someone I'd like to have coffee with. You I know, I feel like, like you're seeing her in this movie. Yeah, That's the yeah. Thing. Yeah, it doesn't you know. feel like an actress like trying to act. It just feels like we just asked a person, "Hey, come come be in this movie real quick," and just listen, be Zoe. You. <laughs> I wrote a role for you. Right, mate, what am I going to be playing? You were playing yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah and apparently she um, she did not realize how big of a role, like, her part was in the movie until, like, you know, they started filming. And then she was really taken aback when she saw the poster and she got top billing with Kurt Russell. Like, she was, yeah. she she apparently was very surprised yeah. to see that. Just don't call her an Aussie. <laughs> uh, so we, we talked about the first group of girls. Faith, I'm going to throw this to you first. We have a second group of girls here. They are involved in the motion picture industry. Uh, Tracy Tom's character is a stunt driver. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is an actress. Rosario Dawson is a makeup um and she does something else, hair and makeup. And then we have Zoe Bell coming in, their friend. She is, of course, a stunt woman. Uh, you didn't like the first group of girls. What do you think of the second group of girls that we have here? I prefer the second group of girls. They feel like they're just much more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Somebody help me out with a word. They seem uh, more. Kate and I are sitting here stone-faced. <laughs> 
No one wants I to refuse. Help me. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, they seem a little more uh, approachable. Uh, they're not as full of themselves. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah. As but either. they also seem more uh, aware of things. Yes. You know, yeah. that's, that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, the first girls kind of seem a little Great oblivious point. to things. And Great point. They are. Now, kind of more aware what's going on. We all kind of agreed that the first group of girls, their conversations was a little quote unquote gross, you know. Sure. Uh, and I, are we all in agreement that if you had, if guys had that dialogue, you would still kind of be like, really? Come on. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, the I wouldn't want to hang out with them. Okay. You know, I again, like, yeah, there maybe there is a little bit of a double standard work in there, but um, but no, I, it, it's still it's like, yeah, let me go talk with these. Like, what did we call them earlier? Numb nuts? Yeah. Numb nuts. Yeah, let me go hang out with these numb nuts and talk. I mean, the, yeah, you know. Okay, so the movie, halfway through, starts to replay itself in a lot of ways. Sure. He's out of the hospital. He's stalking again. It's happening again. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening. Um, and so we meet these girls. A lot of the same type of conversation here. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't get turned off listening to these four talk about what they were talking about. I don't know why. Well... Part of it is, and, and I think Faith, you know, brought it, mentioned it. They seem more aware. You, you really do get the sense that these girls can handle themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, Tracy Thomas's character, you know, you see that she's carrying a gun, you know, and um, and, and you know, I mean, obviously Zoe Bell's talking about, you know, going strapping herself to the hood of the car <laughs> and driving as fast as they possibly can, you know, and and. Even uh, Rosario Dawson's character, you know, they're talking about her um, wanting to get with the director of the picture that they're working on. And um, she brings up the the good point that it's like, well, yeah, all the girls on set sleep with him. And that's yeah. why that's why none of them wind up being his girlfriend. If you don't sleep with him, you know, he'll get on, you know, maybe he'll take you seriously. Maybe he'll respect you. And so you can see that, like, it's not that these girls are any any more prudish or anything than the first group of girls but you can see that they one they they look like they can handle themselves much better and two um you know they it seems like they respect themselves just a little bit more. great point and the other thing too that i get off of them that i really don't get off the first group of girls the second group of girls feel like they're actually friends yeah like they actually feel like not only they respect themselves, they kind of respect each other. Yeah. You sure, know? sure. Uh, the other group of girls was being held together by one of the biggest alpha bitches I've ever seen in movies, mm-hmm. Jungle Julia Lucas, played by Sydney Poitier. Sure. And that's right. She is Sydney Poitier's daughter. And, 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 and she plays that role perfectly, mm-hmm. you know. And she takes every chance she gets to... Uh to take a poo on her friends or to, or, you know, because I think the thing with butterfly is not, you know, and and the poem is not her, um, being, being fun and pulling a prank on a friend. I think that's her just like, I don't know. That's there. I think there's some mean spiritedness maybe in their, uh, in their friendship. That's what I got from her. Yeah. Yeah. But even cause you have this moment here where Zoe Bell wants to go see the 1970 uh, white Dodge Challenger mm-hmm. that Kowalski drove in Vanishing Point, uh, like the one he drove. And she wants to test drive it uh, from the local guy there in Lebanon, Tennessee. And they do do that little prank on uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead mm-hmm. where they say, yeah, we're film people. We're filming a porno. And she's insinuating that right. Mary Elizabeth's going to blow the guy, you know, and she comes sure. right out and says it. And then. Yep. You don't know her fate. You know, yeah. you don't know what happens to her. And it's kind of like one of those uh, I spit on your grave type moments where she's all alone with the with mm-hmm. the redneck. And uh, 
But even that, I don't know. I could be off base here. You two might disagree. Like, yeah, it's kind of awful, but it feels like it's kind of good natured. Not like, you know, maybe, maybe. Possibly. I don't know. May, yeah, I, I don't. I get and, what you're. I get maybe she can from, take yeah. care of herself, so yeah, they wouldn't yeah. do it if they weren't worried about right. it. Right, right. Well, and that's the that's the whole other thing too is that um, you know Tracy Thomas and Zoe Bell have you know I mean they have that argument you know about whether or not they're actually going to you know do it, and you can tell Tracy Thomas is like you know legitimately concerned for her friend. Like I don't want you to do this because you could seriously get hurt and you could, you yeah. know, me having fun aside, you know, this could go the wrong way. This could go the wrong way. And how cute is it though, when they, when they come to, uh, terms as mm-hmm. it is, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I'll crack you back. Yeah. yeah. And how, I mean, how sweet is that? It, it's very oh, funny crack my and, and endearing, <laughs> you know, uh, by the way, I have to say one of my, cause their little friendship, I love their mm-hmm. friendship. One of my favorite moments in this movie is when she's doing the uh, ship's mast and she's mm-hmm. up there and Zoe Bell uh, says, faster, you black bitch. <laughs> when she's in danger from Kurt Russell, though, and she's hanging on the hood of that car crying, uh-huh. I'm really scared. I'm really scared. I'm sorry I called you black bitch. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so it, they're so funny and, and sweet and endearing. Well, we talked about uh, they were setting up Vanessa Ferlito as the final girl in the mm-hmm. first uh, sequence. She didn't make it. She didn't make it. She didn't make and, it. She and, couldn't face it, really. Yeah. <laughs> See what I did there? Ba-doom. But we do have a final girl here in the form of Abernathy, played by Rosario Dawson. So yeah. what do we think about Rosario Dawson as Abernathy? Well, Rosario Dawson is one of the great actresses or actors, if you prefer not to split the two. Um, but no, she's one of the great performers of of our generation, probably. I mean, I think she's phenomenal. I think she's phenomenal in this movie. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I love it whenever she climbs up into the front seat and whenever they're first doing the ship's mask mm-hmm. and um she starts to get into it and she starts to scream and you know, go yeah. faster you yeah. know it, i i think she's absolutely great and um i also like her star trek haircut in this yeah because she yes. looks like she looks like a romulan yeah she's haircut. got the romulan haircut but no i think i i really do i i i love i have loved her in practically everything she's been in and and um, what a pleasant surprise to uh, to find her in a Tarantino movie. Totally. Faith, what did you think of uh, Rosario Dawson? What do you think of her? Are you? A, I don't even know if you're a fan. I, I'm a fan. I don't seek her movies. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not one that has to watch all of her movies, but I, I'm a fan of hers for the most part. And I'm with you. It's weird to see her in a movie kind of like this. Yeah. It feels a little a It feels little like something she wouldn't necessarily do. Right. But I thought she was really good. I like that they kind of dressed her differently than... Did you notice like her butterfly necklace? Like she was a yeah. sweet little yeah, the pink more, yeah, more and, innocent looking. And but then she's she a turned, mom. yeah, but she's then she mom. turned and at the end she kind of you know yeah, was like whatever. And and she's the final girl. Yeah, she's, right. she sees it now. You know. And and that was maybe as far as this being a slasher movie, you know, that was my one kind of my my one big bugaboo with the movie is that like you don't really have a final girl from the beginning of the movie that you can follow all the way through. And, um, yeah, and you know, this is me telling Quentin Tarantino how to write a movie, you know, but, um, yeah, you know, that it would have colored the movie. It, it would have made it a different movie, I right. think. Cause I, I think you were maybe supposed to be a little bit more focused on, on stuntman Mike and, 
and the terror rather than getting wrapped up in any one of these girls. Right. Well, that's an interesting point. And I will say that not only, though, is this a slasher film, it's also a girl gang picture. Uh, it's also yeah. a car movie. It's, yes. It's yeah. a lot of different genres thrown in. So, And as you said, you get kind of uh, boxed in by the, by the hard and fast rules of the slasher right. genre. And he was using that as a jumping off right. point. But uh, I actually do agree with you. I do think that's one thing that may have made this a little more interesting. But mm-hmm. then there's the other part of me that's going the most interesting to see how two different groups of people react right. to him. Um, and, yeah, and then you wouldn't have gotten the... Because <laughs> if you would have had one of the girls from the first group survive, then the whole second half of the movie, you would have had this little PTSD girl who, you know, just would have, you know, been so... <laughs> So wound up that with the uh, Ironside theme playing like in uh, Kill Bill, <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. You know? And he goes in wide on the girl. I know that car. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You would have had those those moments, and I don't know if the movie would have been better for it. You know, he's killing again <laughs> because you know how creepy is it when you go to the convenience store when they're outside that convenience store and he, you know, um, who is it, Mary Elizabeth Winstead and. Singing, she's singing "Baby, It's You," Baby which he drops you, about and, three times during the movie, right? And uh, it's Rosario Dawson's feet, right, out. right. Oh, God, and yeah, that whole creepy creepiness um, in that. And uh, here's something else I wanted. I, I had asked you this um, before, but I feel like we should bring it up. Uh, they're outside the convenience store, and then click, the film goes to black and white. Now, my original thought was. Mm-hmm. This is a uh, a reference, a little wink, maybe to Kevin Smith, mm-hmm. whose first movie was Clerks, yes. filmed at a convenience store in black and white. Yes, um, and I know the two of them are buddies. I know the two of them hang out and uh, and bounce things off of each other. And um, and so I, I was wondering if maybe that wasn't a little nod to Kevin Smith, and and it very well could have been. But Dan, you brought up the gr- the great point that. Which point was that? About which was that this is supposed to be a grindhouse movie. Grindhouse movie. The reels would be missing. Sometimes they'd have to replace the reels. Mm-hmm. The color processing wouldn't be right. right. And uh, they do this in Kill Bill, as I was telling you, because of the blood. Right. So these places couldn't show the movies because of the blood. They would, uh, So they'd have to censor it. And they would uh, make the film black and white. And in Kill Bill, of course, the famous scene where she's fighting the 88s, and then you get the great joke where it goes back to color and you see the blood everywhere. (laughs) But that, to me, was what he was doing here. Uh, But I like your idea of the little nod toward Clerks. I think it's probably both. I think it's probably. I think he probably had it in his head that it's like, yeah, we'll make one of the reels black and white. Well, why not make it the convenience store reel, you know? Right, right. I'll agree with both of you. How about that? There you go. (laughs) Because I had your thought, kind of, with the way it was filmed yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and a quick note, Quentin Tarantino is the director of photography on this film. This is the first, mm-hmm. which means he was actually the one behind the camera shooting, you know. He actually had his eye up to the... Uh, up to the lens, and he was the one shooting the shooting this picture. And this is, I believe, the first movie he ever shot. I think so yeah. too. There's one thing we do need to talk about with Quentin. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because he's also in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> playing playing Warren. Uh, the, whatever Warren says. The bartender at the uh, what is it? The Texas Chili Chili House. Uh, whatever yeah, whatever remember. it is. Um, I think Taco Quint- House. Taco House. I think Quentin's presence at, in front of the camera is always a welcome 
presence. What do yes. we think? Of, what do you think of Quentin here as Warren? Because there's some kind of great Quentin moments here. Oh yeah, he um. You know, you get to get to see everybody do some shots with Quentin. You know, you get the great moment. Whatever Warren says, you know, you, know, you should do whatever Warren says. You do. He brings. He gives Chartreuse. them. Yeah, he brings them a tasty beverage. I don't. The only liquor. Uh, the liquor's so good they named a color, color after, after it. it. Yeah, and you know, um, no, no, he's he's phenomenal. I love it. I love him popping up in his own movies. I kind of sad he doesn't pop up in more movies you know yeah faith what did you think about seeing him oh i loved it <laughs> it's like a like a uh, like a uh, sight for sore eyes or something <laughs> you could say he put his best chin forward yeah. there you go yeah okay it's huge okay <laughs> so i think we've hit everybody but there's one we need to talk about quentin has said that this woman reads his dialogue as well as Samuel L. Jackson. He says that Samuel L. Jackson is the best interpreter of his dialogue, followed only by Christoph Waltz. He put her in the top three, which is amazing considering the cast that Quentin Tarantino has had. Uh, Tracy Toms is in the movie. Just go. What do y'all think of Tracy Toms? Because she steals this movie for me. Well, she is fantastic and she's popped up in um some of the other some other tv shows and and movies i've really liked but um no yeah i i think her and zoe bell just carry this second half of this movie um on their backs effortlessly and yeah she's phenomenal like you know if I, I 100% believe that she could take out Stuntman Mike. Yeah. You know. Uh, there's a few moments in this movie where I feel like some of the actors, I'm not knocking the actors, okay? This is a mouthful when you got Quentin yeah. dialogue, but I do feel like some of it, and I'm not knocking on uh, Sidney Poitier because, you know, we don't like the Jungle Judy character, but there are some moments, and I don't know if it's stylized or not, where I feel like it is. Da 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 You know, like establishing, you know, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't feel like acting, but it feels like, you know, not natural. Right. It is when it comes out of her mouth, Tracy's mouth. It's like poetry. Yeah. It's like jazz or something. You know, it feels like she just showed up. Yeah. Again, her and Zoe don't feel like they're acting. They're like they're just there. And maybe. And maybe that's part of why you know you get a little turned off by that first group of girls. And, you know, the, the other thing is they're so like unaffected or disaffected just with every, you know, it's just like they're over everything, you know? And and it's like, they don't know that they're about to meet stuntman Mike, but, and they're not prepared for it. But, um, yeah, with Tracy Thomas, it's, you know, as soon as she shows up and, um, Oh, you know I got to tap that ass. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, you know, you know that this is not going to go the same way that the last encounter went. I like the gun control argument that they have in this movie. Like, uh, you shouldn't carry a gun. What about Mesa Pepper Spray? You know what happens to people who carry Mesa Pepper Spray? They get raped. What about a knife? You know what happens to people who carry a knife? They get shot. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, indeed. She shows a lot of different colors on the emotional, you know, spectrum mm-hmm. in this movie. Like, like as badass as she is, like genuine concern for Zoe Bell. It's amazing. You see her crying, which is right. which is yeah. great. Um, so here we come to it. What do we think of the ending? What do we think of Stuntman Mike getting? Does he get his just desserts? Uh, he gets his just nachos. If he, I'm, I mean, 
why this movie just isn't playing on a loop at feminist rallies around the country is beyond me because I mean, yeah, man, they they curb stop him. They <laughs> they beat the ever loving whatever out of this guy, you know? Yeah, and then they crush his skull with their yeah. with their designer heel. <laughs> I, I mean, what's great is, you know, they get a you know, he attacks them, they get away from him. But that's not good enough. <laughs> they turn around and go after him. Like, they are not With letting, a lead pipe. With like a lead Professor pipe. Plum in the conservatory, you know? I mean, and, um, oh, he turns into such a sniveling little coward at the end. You know, it's... Don't touch my arm. Yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, when they pull him out, like, watch my right arm, broken. it's broken. Like, yeah, oh, like, okay, like they're going to be gentle with you yeah. now. They just, you know, ran you down. I love the scene right before that when he's drinking the whiskey and he's just like, do it, do it, you know, just Mm -hmm. trying to pull himself together, you know. And the fact that he's so nonchalant about ladies, that was fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, um, I think it's great. Uh, I think, you know, it's like he packed all a Kill Bill right in the last 10 minutes of that movie. (laughs) You know, they got their revenge. I don't, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I don't blame him at all for going after him. <laughs> no, man. No, no. Uh, Faith, you are the girl here. Yes. You're you're our final sure? girl. No. You're our final girl, Faith. Uh, what would you do? I have to ask this question. What would you do if you met Stuntman Mike in the uh, in a bar? Now you didn't know he killed women with his car, but if you just saw him out eating his nachos and offering to give you a ride home, well, what would I you think of Stuntman I'd Mike? Feel vibes off of people. He'd probably give me a weird vibe and also carry a weapon on me. So, I, you know. <laughs> That's, good enough. That's why I was talking about the girls earlier being non-observant. Right. Good, good enough. Yeah. Good enough. Don't talk to him. Good enough. Kay, do you have anything you would like to add about Death Proof? Um, it was way more awesome than I remembered it. Oh, one thing we should uh, we should add, uh, as far as the Grindhouse things goes, if you can find a copy of this on DVD or something, because one of the things they did when they released it in theaters was they um, they shot some trailers for you fictitious can find movies. find them on YouTube, man. Ah, okay. Look up those trailers on YouTube because... They, I mean, they they were worth the price of admission. One of them actually got turned into a feature-length film, Machete. 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 Um, and uh, Faith's favorite actor is in one of them. Uh, it's the Werewolf Women of the SS trailer uh, starring Nicolas Cage as Fu Manchu. <laughs> so, yeah, um, you're, you're missing And apparently out. Rob Zombie uh, directed that fake trailer, and he called up Nicolas Cage, and he said, you know, like, hey, man, I want you to be in this fake trailer. Oh, what am I going to be doing? You know, and he was like... Uh, he said it's called uh, Werewolf Women of the SS. And apparently Nick Cage immediately was like, I got it. <laughs> That's awesome. So so um, as far as Death Proof goes, if you have not seen it, it's a uh, it's a thrill ride. It's definitely worth watching. And check out those trailers. The trailers. And the sister film of this, Planet Terror, directed by Robert Rodriguez, which is a throwback to John Carpenter films. And we're going to be doing that on the show at a, at a future date. That's another it's a yeah, amazing it's a, film. Fantastic, uh, fantastic thrill ride with uh, Rose McGowan and yeah. uh, 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 um, Freddie um, Marley Shelton, Freddie Mar- Rodriguez, Freddie Rodriguez, Bruce Willis, Josh mm-hmm. Brolin, uh, Zoe Bell appears in that as well. Yeah. Uh, really, really great. And there's uh, tie-ins between the two movies, like Marley Shelton and Michael Parks, and all that mm-hmm. uh, are in both movies. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we didn't mention it, but Michael Parks 
uh, and his and son, son number one, <laughs> son number one, show up uh, playing the same characters uh, they played in Kill Bill and um, who Michael Parks played in from Dusk Till Dawn. So. Yeah, so it's all part of a shared universe. So, so a lot of know. fun, a lot of fun. And from Dusk Till Dawn, will be on the show at a future date too. Well, Cade, uh, you have the honor here. What we like to do at the end of the show is favorites. Anything that sticks out in your mind. Um, Kills, lines, moments, performance, anything that, that you want to just make sure gets a special recognition here at the end. Well, for sure, the um, the the first kill shot, or not kill shot, but the first kill sequence where you get the four four kills in one, that was without a doubt. Um, I, I don't know. That that to me is like, if you were if you were iffy on the movie, when you get to that part, like that just keeps you going through the rest. <laughs> so... I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the four kills. I I'm a, I'm gonna agree with you on that, and I like when uh, Jungle was it Julia is that her name? Mm-hmm. And her leg flies out the yeah. window. Ooh. I love it. So gross. <laughs> uh, my favorite is the uh, tire going across Vanessa Ferlito's face. I yes. think that's an amazing moment. And I want to say I I don't know how I feel about Vanessa Ferlito as an actress. I'm not either. I'm, I'm sure she's a wonderful person. It, mm-hmm. I really like her in this. I like Butterfly yeah. Yeah. quite a bit, and uh, I think I think Kurt Russell just is really great in this. I'm glad this led to more uh, collaborations between the, the mm-hmm. two of them. Oh, wait, favorite part. Uh, Shana or Shanna or whatever playing. Uh, uh, Shanna. Shanna. Don't, don't you call her. Right, oh, yeah, yeah. Don't you call something. That's right. Um, her playing air drums in the back of the car yeah. right before they all get killed. Yeah. That's uh, that's up there. Yeah. I just, yeah. It was like, yeah. Is she the one that flies out onto the road? I think so. Yes. Sure. yes yeah, she I is. like that. I'm just naming all the. I just like all the. Yeah, deaths. She has, yeah. <laughs> uh, you just I, like all the death. All the death. I like that shot of uh, Kurt Russell in the car through the window with the neon lights in the back and the red light on him when he's looking out the window and you see him in shadow. Can I, I ask a, a great, question? Yeah. Because that red light reminded me. I had texted you earlier. Did y'all get kind of Freddy Krueger vibes from him? Somewhat. Sure. The red light, the way he laughed. Mm-hmm. He called. Yeah, I think you're way off on this. <laughs> he's scarred. Yeah. yeah. I no. think he said bitch occasionally. <laughs> All of these are coincidences. Yes, I would like to add my favorite line in this movie is indeed, get ready to fly, bitch. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, let's see if we can do it. Uh, uh, Faith, how are we going to do this? Dueling Tarantinos, this is your idea. I don't know. Um... Why don't you give us a topic and, we'll, and we will espouse oh, on the topic, any topic. Talk about donuts. Okay, like, donuts are so jamming, and some of the donuts actually have jam in them, if you can believe that. Well, my favorite part of the donut is the hole. Now, not the hole that isn't there, but the holes that you can order on the menu. At Dunkin' Donuts, they call them munchkins. And Munchkins were in The Wizard of Oz. That's a movie from 1939, if you can believe that, okay? It's, like, really, really old okay and there's like i bet you the nuts there's a munchkin hanging apparently in one of the scenes they probably ran out of donuts on the set that day that day was not jamming no and apparently the munchkins used to try and touch judy garland's boobs (laughs) not cool respect what is cool Funk music. Yeah, my favorite funk song is probably I'd Rather Be With You by Booty Collins, the star child himself. 
would also like to put him on the spot here, Faith. Uh, we were going to grant you something here, a special uh, Christmas present, as it is. Uh, Kay does a rather fun Michael Caine impression. Oh, God. We have done Michael Caine on this show before. Uh, we're going to do Dueling Canes. And, yeah. Faith, I would like for you to give us a topic um, to, to jump off of here. Hmm. Let's see. Uh dinosaurs who's got who's got the honor here keezy i don't know if i can (laughs) the problem with doing michael kane is sometimes you're not in the right mood and occasionally it falls off the tracks the thing is about dinosaurs is they got horns you could call them horny i bet you didn't know that (laughs) you know the problem with dinosaurs is you know they're the there the dinosaurs are, and you're sitting there trying to enjoy some E.E. E. Cummings, just going along, reading your poetry, and then here comes a dinosaur. Stomp, 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 stomp. Well, Mr. Tyrannosaurus Rex, if your arms are so small, then how do you play with your willy? <laughs> I asked that same question to Sean Connery back in the day when we was drinking a pint with Oliver Reed at a party in London. Or maybe it was Soho. <laughs> you know, he was the man who would be king. I bet you didn't know that. And one more, Faith, because we gave you a Christmas present, we'll give you a New Year's present as well. We have the voices of our WKMF's own Bobby D'Amato and his good friend Robbie are here in the studio with you. Faith, please give us a topic to jump off from. Just just speak. Well, first of all, I want to know, how come I ain't been on the show yet? (laughs) Well, you know, like, if you had the wherewithal to like show up, yeah, Faith, don't look at me like that. I looked that up in the dictionary. Uh, anyway, if you had the wherewithal numbnuts to show up on the show, then maybe you could have been on the show, huh? Apparently, nepotism is not a word you know the meaning of. Otherwise, I'd be hosting this show. Let me tell you something about my good friend Robbie, and I love him dearly. He's going to tell you he bench presses 225. It's actually 185. Not because he's a liar. It's because he can't do math. He cannot add up the weight of the plates with the 45-pound bar. You do 185, Robbie. It's true. This is a problem I've had to come to terms with. Also, I don't know which way clockwise is. You should see him. You tell him, hey, man, it's like clockwise. He goes left. Well, I mean, only if I'm sitting on to your right. You were very confusing. You were a very confusing individual, but I'm so glad we're best friends. Oh, my God. Hey, Robbie, what's four times three? Eleven. Hey, you're getting better. That's right. I didn't even think. I just answered. <laughs> Well, Faith, oh, I man. think we've had a good one, haven't we? Yeah. I want to thank our very good friend, Cade, for showing up. Cade, thank you so much for showing up and doing this with us. It's been a long time coming, and we hope to have you back on the show again very I, soon. I cannot wait. Thank you, guys. And uh, we'll even let you pick the movie. Ooh. We'll even let you. We'll even let We're you. We're doing Crush Groove. I knew it. Oh, I want to get you, because uh, we did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, your quickest uh, review you can give of this. What did you think of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and where do you rank that on uh, QT's list? I give it um, on his list. It's, uh, gosh, man, it's so hard to rank his movies. It's kind of like asking what day of the week it is. Um, it ends in a Y. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's really good. Pulp Fiction's my favorite of his Um 
but um, I, I don't know. It's it's up there. It's in the top half. I, I enjoyed it. I think those two guys, uh, DiCaprio and Pitt, are fantastic. Um, Margot Robbie was fantastic. And yeah. every, everybody in the movie was Absolutely. fantastic. It's a, it's a great piece of writing. Um, and, and just, gosh, um, it, it looks beautiful. It's fantastic yeah. to see old Hollywood and... Yeah. All those sites and everything. It, it, it's a joy to watch and, and a great. Uh, you almost feel like it's a it's a hangout movie. Like you're just hanging yeah. out with those characters yeah. for. And so, um, yeah, I, I loved it. I, I thought it was fantastic. I hope we get another one. Uh, we're getting at least one more. He says he's going to close it down at ten. Um, so, final question: uh, Where would you two put this? Uh, you own a video store. Do you guys remember video stores? I know you do. Yes, I do. <laughs> Uh, some of you out there might be too young to remember them. They were wonderful, magical places where you could go and you know pick out movies. Uh, where would you put this if you had a video store? If you had to put this into a section, where would you put it? Oh, That's uh, a good question. I think I'd put it in horror. I, I mean, you know, like we we've made all the points about it being both being and both not being a horror movie. But yeah, I'd, I'd put it in the horror section. I could put it in horror. Yeah. I mean, to me too. I could maybe put it in action or something. To me, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'd go horror. Yeah. I, Quentin, Quentin deserves his own section. Yeah. No, I was, but, I mean, the, I mean, this to me, this was, you know, whether it's a good slasher movie, quote unquote, or not, um, it's it's a scary movie. It's supposed to be kind of a yeah. scary, and it does have movie. those moments. Yeah, absolutely. so I, I'd put it in horror, you know. So. Well, it's that time again. The music is playing. Kate, thank you again. Oh, it's a pleasure. Hope it's a to, pleasure. We seriously hope to have you back soon. Check him out at Running Mates, runningmatesstudios.com. Running Mates Studios. And he's not There's sure a lot what, of his, S's. what his Instagram is. I don't, think, yeah, I don't think I know what the website is, the Instagram. He doesn't. We I love get you, a lot man. of traffic. We love you, man. Thank you so much for popping, for popping in. Again, I hope you come back. Faith, you ready to do it? Yes. Let's go. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be a vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep, keep your, your monster, monster on on a leash. Oh, Mike, okay. Like, seriously, this, this show is jamming. Take those good vibes out there with you. If you can't find them, they're in your heart. <laughs> we'll see you all on the other side. <laughs>